What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Ready to get rolling on this Thursday. Numbers to dial up 466-377-766-800-825-5865. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. And at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. This will be posted on the video portion of Hale Varsity on YouTube. So check the show out that way. You can find us on the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and can always email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll tackle the offensive line with Jeremiah Searles in one hour. Gary Barnett will talk quarterback coaching. What Coach Whipple's going through right now, trying to figure out how to calm who has got the job to lose right now in Casey Thompson, Chubba Pretty. What's the approach? What buttons do you push? So we'll check in with Barney on that next hour. And Danny Burke, some early odds out, researched and found by one Elijah Herbal. Numbers we'll dive into some early lines on the Big Red. Uh, all throughout the schedule. Brandon Vogel with us in 20 minutes from Hale Varsity. We'll check in with Vogue's uh, good uh, column by him with uh, the, the Nebraska defense. Uh, they need to replenish uh, some of those lost names. Uh, big scrimmage Sunday for the Nebraska football team as they're off today. And uh, we will also get you a Northwestern Nebraska preview. <laughs> what is out already and uh, it is done by College Football News. Elijah, what do you know? How's your day? Day is not too bad. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting this show knocked out. I think we got a, a good one planned. And one thing I'll say is, for those of you that are catching this uh, on the Hale Varsity YouTube page, uh, we are recording this live, and there's a slight delay, very tiny, between the the camera and the mics. So it looks like a kung fu film. No, no, it looks fine. Okay, but. It looks like I have absolutely no sense of rhythm whenever we come back from breaks. And, you know, it's, it's whatever good song it is. I'm bobbing my head. It looks like I have no sense of rhythm. So if you're catching us in video form. It looks like it, huh? Bear with me. My, my sense of I was in band. I was in choir growing up. My sense of rhythm is not as white as I look. You know, it's. Can you move is the question. Can I dance? Hell no. Okay. So. <laughs> I got two left Let's just feet. not lie to people about being in rhythm. Yeah. I, got, I got rhythm. I just, I, I don't have enough flexibility to dance. That's my problem. And there we go. I was even in like dancing choirs and whatnot growing up, but it just it never translated. You're a better man than I. Can't can't dance, can't sing. Uh, neither. Mm-hmm. And I do the world a favor by abstaining from both. <laughs> so let's dive into this Nebraska Northwestern prediction and preview from College Football News, and it asks you know the simple question: 
but it's accurate. What has changed with each of these programs over the last several months? Last time you saw Nebraska, it was the feel-good win of 2021. It was the quite arguably best win from a uh, optics standpoint for the Frost era. Yeah, I always go back to that snowball game against Sparty, where it was nine to six in true Big Ten November fashion. I think it was November. Uh, sorry, but anywho, uh, that was a, a gutted out win against a, a, a grumpy Spartan team. Can you confirm that was a November game? Because I was working for Husker Vision at the time and running the cameras outside in November. So you were freezing. It was brutal. It was cold. So 56-7 to, to seven was Im- impressive by Nebraska last year. What was most impressive to me wasn't Nebraska's big plays or the way the defense stood out, but it was the response. Because that was right after the, the Michigan State flub in East Lansing. Uh, all week long, a year ago, how's Nebraska going to respond? What type of uh, character can they show, will they show after having their hearts ripped out? By that point, they were used to seeing teams take their heart out and put it out like it's a Marlboro Red. They did their job. They played well, got big plays. It was good. Looking ahead right now, uh, Northwestern's lines of scrimmage. Uh, Northwestern on the defensive side, uh, a couple of names to look at. Uh, Peter Skoronsky, the left tackle, the next first-round pick likely for Northwestern. And that's that's what you know and, and feel like you know about Northwestern coming into this Week 0 game. Halinski at quarterback, is he going to be able to settle in? He's had time to sit and, and groom. Uh, is he another Clayton Thorson or is he another Band-Aid until Fitz gets his next quarterback? For Nebraska, there's a lot of prove-it factor with all the transfers. And Nebraska has new quarterback or quarterbacks. Uh, you have some question marks on the offensive line. Feel good about the running game because of who's in that backfield. And uh, you look at the defensive side of the ball. Some guys are trying to make rosters or drafted last year. Uh, what what happens uh, with Nebraska on the defensive side of the ball? We'll get more into that with Brandon Vogel. But uh, when it comes to college football news, they just flat out say Nebraska has more talent. Nebraska will hit a couple of big plays in the second half, and Nebraska gets a a better than a, gets an underappreciated win to start the season. That's where they're going here. A couple of weeks before kickoff, I can totally talk myself into that. I don't know that I'm feeling the twelve and a half to lay that point total with all the newness with Nebraska. And I do think the college football news preview with Nebraska Northwestern is a thousand percent accurate. Don't expect don't expect anything pretty because if if there's one thing about Northwestern games, they are great at making it ugly. That's how they win. And if it's too low a scoring, that's absolutely in Northwestern's favor. Uh, it's got to be 28 to 30 point number. Nebraska's offense has got to get that or they got to out Northwestern Northwestern and that's be sound not turn the football over, and just be better defensively and keep them out of the end zone. I think Nebraska's defense can do it. We're way ahead of ourselves yet, but this was an interesting article that popped up I wanted to touch on because the points are valid. Uh, Nebraska's had more talent 
uh, than than most of the opponents they've faced in the West, and uh, they've been able to go uh, from a recruiting ranking standpoint, or at least on paper, uh, do pretty well. Top four typically uh, when it comes to recruiting in the Big Ten, but that talent's not translated the wins because they've been undercoached, and this is paramount for Nebraska to, to change that tune. Speaking of song and dance for for uh, twenty twenty two. And Northwestern, I think we can expect. I'm not sure I'm, I'm comfortable saying they're going to be leaps and bounds in week zero uh, than they were last, last season, but they are going to be a better team than they were last season uh, with guys that, that took their lumps in the Big Ten last season, got another off season of work, and uh, they're going to come back a little bit better. The, the question is, is can Nebraska's offense be better than next season? The defense, I think we can all expect might take a slight step back, but if the offense can do their job better, it might help out the defense and uh, their stats might be a little better if they're not left on the field for, say, 50-something plays a game and uh, have to go uh, defend an offense on, on two different short fields or three different short fields based on field position. But if the offense can at least be a wash mm-hmm. with last season, I, I think it means good things for Nebraska against Northwest. No, I don't disagree with you. That I, just, if, I think the defense can be put in position if if Northwestern's got to drive a full field for the love of God instead of that short field position you touched on. Yeah, I think the defenses could be good enough when we're taking the Nebraska defense versus the Northwestern offense. I think the defense can be good enough to go win the, the game, to echo your point. The, the question to me is, can the offense go put up points on a Northwestern defense, especially an offense that hasn't had a, a, a full you know, period of time to, to gel like you wish they would be able well, to. Well, you have a Northwestern secondary that is no one's coming back that's picked off any passes. And, and that is maybe good when you look at Nebraska's skill players, the receiving core, and a guy that's experienced in case. He, he's got to have time to throw, though. Who's on the horn? It's bringing Jim here. Jim's on with Hale Varsity. Right Jim, now. thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, just a comment. You know, it's... Uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game, but uh, uh, and I, I do believe Nebraska is going to win, but it's going to be twelve points. Uh, they, Amen. They have Amen. Such, <laughs> such, such a new such a new staff, and you know Northwestern's pretty consistent ball club. And <laughs> going overseas and everything goes along with that, and uh, there's a lot of stuff we don't even know. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to win. But I, you know, I'd say maybe four to seven points, something like that. But just because they're talent. But, yeah, uh, I mean, that's the way it should be. If, if you're a Nebraska fan and you look at the talent uh, comparison, Jim, you're, you're right on. But I'm with you, man. If, if we're just talking about uh, your money, my money, or mama's money, uh, yeah. I'm going I'm I'm yeah. to take the points. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because Northwestern's consistent. They really are. They're, they're, they're not a great ball club, you know, but they're, well, I tell you what, uh, Year to year, they're they're pretty consistent ball club. They do a hell of a job, Coach. And, Jim, thanks for the phone yeah, call. Appreciate you. Uh, can dial up, join us here. We're talking a little bit of a preview from College Football News. Uh, they lay out Nebraska Northwestern 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're just diving in. It's It's... Uh, a couple of weeks early, but it's it's all right with uh, with college football news. They're they're laying their take out on on how this thing shakes out. Yeah, and calls are coming fast and furious here. We got Chris on the line. Chris, welcome in. Thanks for dialing up on Hale Varsity. Hey, great show. Um, yeah, I mean, I no one's mentioned this really, but Casey Thompson does 
throw quite a few interceptions. You think so? Nine, you had nine, nine but... only it, 261 attempts. I mean, the same, that's fair. The same ratio as uh, Adrian. Adrian had 10 and 300 and a little over 300. And, and Casey had nine and... Two sixty-one. So I look at the touchdown know. to I look at the touchdown to interception ratio. It's two to one. I'd, I'd I like that. The thing that Casey yeah. doesn't do is the, he doesn't fumble. At least he hasn't. But that is in good. Comparison. I was going to ask that because I, I always have a hard time finding the the fumble stats for quarterbacks. Well, um, it's it's and, not. Uh, it's Adrian not, had a big problem with the fumbling, but uh, you know, and Casey basically had his, he had three huge games mm-hmm. uh, where he got his his like fifteen or sixteen touchdowns. So they needed but, uh, <laughs> uh, hope Hopefully, he has a bunch more of those huge games. And, and Chris, I, I don't have a, a professional's eyes, but I, I have gone and done a little bit of film study in Casey and watched some of his uh, his full game, like every single throw type things uh, that that I've been able to find. And to me, it looked like whenever he did throw interceptions, it, it wasn't a guy making a bad decision necessarily. It was a guy who you know, had pressure in his face, was going down, and made the dumb decision of throwing it as opposed to just taking your, your minus seven yards. And that could be something that a new offensive scheme uh, could could curtail slightly. If the offensive coordinator can go into the game plan knowing you don't want this guy to have to do too much with his legs on, say, a five- or seven-step drop. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I it wasn't like a, a horrible amount of interceptions, but uh, – you know, it averages out to about an interception a game because it, you know, it's about thirty. Uh, if you throw thirty passes a game, that's that's about what mm-hmm. what we're expecting to do, and that's about an interception a game. So hopefully, he can cut that down uh, in half or so. Chris, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for the. Uh... The, uh, the shout-out, 466-3776, uh, Nebraska Northwestern Preview College Football News. The other thing that, that we don't know with uh, Casey Thompson is we, we do know that he had the best back in college football behind him in Robinson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that dude's money. He's, it, it, he's great. Do you have that? No. In Lincoln, do you have something that can complement him so it's not all him? That's got to happen. And from what we've been hearing out of fall camp, I'm not necessarily concerned that Casey's a guy that that isn't going to be able to deliver the ball accurately and find the right guy. The only concern I have in watching his film is that sometimes you just like to hold on to the ball too long and and didn't throw the ball away and move on to the next play as much as you would have liked. And uh, again, as I was saying to Chris, it, it comes down to uh, can your offensive coordinator kind of drill that out of you and make sure he's not putting you in that position, uh, keeping the offense in rhythm? That, that's my take on Casey because he's a guy that he can make the throws. That That's not going to be the problem. He's a guy I've liked his decision-making too. It's just a question of uh, almost similar to what we had from Adrian Martinez in the, in the end, the crunch time of games last season. Is he trying to do too much at times? He hangs in the pocket well, really climbs up, steps up pocket in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. And the thing that is different this year than, than last year for Casey Thompson, and listen, he's he's the guy that it's his job to lose. We're not anointing him yet. We're just talking about if if things follow through like we think they may, and he's getting the nod and the start because of the experience. He's going to have a, a thumb that's not detrimental. <laughs> Which is good. Let's get to the phones real quick. Tom before break. joining us. Tom, thanks for the call. Go ahead. You bet. Yeah, just a quick comment. I haven't called forever, but I just wanted to say, you guys are talking about interceptions. They usually happen when our quarterbacks are running for their lives. <laughs> and when Whipple said yesterday that, you know, all the quietness on the offensive line, I'm sorry, but we have to have some badasses on the mm-hmm. offensive line 
or we're going to be throwing picks. No, Same that, old story. That pressure uh, rate from last year, it can't be even close to this year. With what, with what uh, the amount of pressures and hits and sacks. Tom, thanks for the phone call that Nebraska allowed a year ago. And you don't have a, a, a run-first dual-threat guy. We'll get into that with Barnett in an hour when it comes to quarterback run game. Mm. Interested if that's gone away with a little bit of the zone read and zone option that was shown at the open part of practice yesterday. Just something for Northwestern to think about. Brandon Vogel's with us next to Tale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Well, if you're a podcast fan, you got a treat. The I-80 preview dropped for the 2022 season. Its host, managing editor with Hale Varsity Magazine and .com, and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us. He's in his football office as uh, we're, we're uh, getting this posted on YouTube, the Hale Varsity channel, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, happy Thursday. Good to spend time. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are good, and uh, we uh, just opened up the uh, well, the first preview of Nebraska Northwestern with college football news. They're leaning Nebraska, and it's because of big plays in the second half. They're more talented, and the Nebraska defense can get a couple of stops and a win that'll look better as the year goes on. How do you like that? Fact or fiction for you as you project? I can see that uh, being being the way the game unfolds. I, next week's I eighty preview podcast will be uh, the Northwestern game preview. So over the next week, I'll really be digging into <laughs> trying to figure out you know how how I think or how I could see that that game going. But that general setup makes sense. You know, Nebraska's offense, a lot of moving parts. Uh, this offseason, obviously, I think it's fair to expect it not to be a, a perfectly uh, tuned machine right out of the gates. That said, I think, and, you know, Northwestern historically last year was a big exception. Uh, pretty tough, pretty tough defense year in and year out. So I could see a pretty low scoring first half, a little bit of a defensive struggle. I think the good thing there is, is I, I feel pretty good about Nebraska's defense's ability to hang in. Um and that might be that might be the the Huskers' path here if they want to want to leave Ireland with a win. You might have to grind one out. And, and Brandon, I think the defense is going to be huge. But looking at the three phases of the team, I, I wouldn't put it past the special teams to be the, the 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 phase of the game where they need to step up, or this game could have some issues. I mean, you look at the fact that Nebraska's probably been losing seven to ten points a game with either field position or missing a field goal or, or what have you just the, the, the don't forget safety safety's on punts safety's on punts i mean it's week zero i mean uh, people like to gloss over the special teams and despite how bad it's been at nebraska it almost feels like it's getting glossed over just a little bit here in fall camp yet again in terms of the importance of the special teams needing to step up to go get a win against northwestern yeah and if it and you know if the game it does end up unfolding that way and you've kind of got a a slugfest in the first half or maybe in both halves 
that that becomes huge. Um, <clears throat> and for Nebraska to be a team that only made 50% of its field goals last year, like it's easy to overlook how damaging that can be, especially with the way that last season went and how they lost those games. Like on average, you know, teams are about 75% on, on field goals typically. Um, so, you, you know, th- that's a lot of points left off the board there in a game like this where maybe the defenses are controlling things early on punting becomes becomes a big big deal so all of those pieces are are pretty big and you know what i hadn't thought of it until you just mentioned it elijah but like one of the best maybe starts to this vital year for nebraska football could be if if special teams just has a really good first half against northwestern Mm -hmm. i mean boy would that make people at least feel a little bit good even if the score is a little too close for their liking uh maybe at halftime so it is is Bush bringing in the uh, the Hollywood rainmaking uh, equipment to just to, to prep for potential game conditions in Ireland, wet and sloppy and slippery field? I don't know if it's going to be South Bend lawn, you know, how long that yard will be. But, it, it, you know, the, the folks of Ireland will be treated to a nine to six throwback Big Ten <laughs> beatdown <laughs> where there's blood, there's some missing teeth and uh, it's it's an attrition thing. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 another thing I hadn't considered. You know, normally we're used to when Nebraska plays, quote unquote, on the road at Northwestern, uh, grass length typically comes up. It hasn't come up yet. Uh, and maybe that's because, you know, it, it's in Ireland. I will say that the Irish traditionally are, you know, pretty solid with their turf management. Oh, so I feel yes. like, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Nebraska will have a good surface there. Will it be dry? That's a good question. I don't know if they're going to, it would be pretty cool to bring in like the Friday night lights, you know, rain machines, uh, whenever Friday night lights would, would play in the rain, it was always torrential. Uh, so that'd be fun, at least from a visual perspective, but maybe they just dunk some footballs in a bucket of water and say, here, Get these snaps and pump these. I'm going to quickly do some research here on what type of grass is the, the traditional playing field surface in Ireland. Well, and it's, what it's, it's a rugby uh, stadium. Yeah, but there's so many different t- kinds of grass out there. That, that that could be a good feature story for you, Brandon, just on the types of grass Nebraska is going to be facing this season. There's there's an idea for you. It's a hell of a, it's a, <laughs> hell of a title. Uh, Vogue's g- investigates grass, uh, international grass. <laughs> 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 uh, seriously, I am kind of interested now. Like, uh, what if they're playing on a type of grass that they've never played on before? Just a type of grass that isn't, you know, very popular in the United States. Hadn't considered that. I'm learning a lot from you guys this, on this radio spot. Wow. Vogues, you, you wrote about the defense today. HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Get the, the magazine and to get the, the digital Wait, piece. Wait, what, what, what? Get this great research I did on the grass. At the Aviva Stadium in Dublin, uh, a Irish-owned grass company installed a 95% natural grass that also has synthetic fibers inserted into the turf to help provide a, a faster pitch recovery and better playing surface. Very interesting. See, that's cutting-edge stuff. We got a composite surface. And uh, just make sure you bring the right spikes, right? <laughs> Pack the appropriate spike length. Vogue, you, you wrote about Nebraska's defense and what was lost and what it's traveling to Ireland, and, you know, I think uh, we've come to a consensus here the first 40 minutes of this show that, that the defense is going to have to have a good day. So far, as you navigate through camp, do you think 
that uh, it's as good as advertised right now, that, that, that black shirt D. Yeah, um, I would say, so I think, so Nebraska gave up about 23 points a game last year, and, and that's with all of the, the dumb scores that weren't even involving the defense that we, we all sadly remember. The dumb scores. Um, realistically, they probably, they gave up about 20 points a game, which is extraordinary. Like, I, I did not think going into last year Nebraska going into last year, very experienced group, fifth most experienced defense in the country. Uh, so it was reasonable to expect them to make some progress. I wouldn't have guessed 20 points a game. And I wouldn't guess uh, that they'll do better than they did a year ago in terms of keeping points off the board. For me, it's it's how do they stay in that range, like the 24, 25-point range. And if they do that, that should be I, – I would consider that a win, given what they lost on the defensive line, which I think is is probably the key to this. You've got a really strong linebacker core, as strong as Nebraska's maybe had in, in, in a couple of years, in my opinion. Last year's group – up front did a really good job of keeping blockers off of those guys. Can they do that again with all of the change that's happened up there? Got some change in the secondary too. Um, that said, Travis Fisher uh, has totally earned my trust back there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like the talent back there. They've got a lot of options. I think Nebraska probably gives up a few more big plays than it did a year ago, but it was top five in, in, limiting those plays last year so you've got a little bit of wiggle room there where you can go back a little bit just based on working some new players in so i'm pretty optimistic about the defense you know they might slide back a little from last year but i'm only expecting it to be a little which i would count as a win given with given how much they have to replace. And Brendan, something we were talking about a little bit last segment was the fact that Nebraska's defense a lot of times last year was put into bad situations by the offense and uh, that kind of tended to drag down uh, the defense as a whole in terms of numbers and how many points per game they were allowing. So does the, the stinginess of Nebraska's defense really matter if it's another year of Nebraska having a negative turnover differential or are the special teams setting them up poorly? Yeah, so, you know, I, I wrote about that a little in this preview, uh, which is also the, the item preview for this week. And I look at Nebraska last year, and they were elite at, at limiting big plays, which was good. And they were elite at one other thing, which was limiting damage in their own territory. They gave up 2.9 points per, per drive inside their own 40, which wow. was eighth best nationally. Um, and you... Nebraska basically had to do that because on a down-by-down basis, so looking at success rate, not to bore everybody with all this stuff, but uh, on a down-by-down basis, they were just, they were average. Um, They were actually a little bit worse than they had been in previous seasons. So they were giving up some yards, but they got the stops when it mattered. And that's good. It worked. They they only gave up 23 points a game last year. You'll take that every season. Um, That said, it's, there's some risk there because if you if one of those drives, an extra one of those drives, say even every two games turns into a touchdown, all of a sudden you don't have a lot of wiggle room there. So that's kind of the key for me, I think. Last year was good. Last year, you know, it kind of through sheer will and good tackling. I think good tackling was really the key to it. Um, Nebraska put up some really good defensive numbers. I wouldn't try to do it again just because it, it felt like, oh, you know, we can look at the overall record and, and, and talk about Nebraska's bad luck defensively. I don't want to say they were lucky because I think they put in the effort to do it, but it's just not a strategy that I would feel safe if it's like, okay, we just do this every year. We give up yards, but we make the stops when it matters. 
thing about Nebraska, too, with the extra possessions, a lot of those extra possessions were the result of turnovers. I mean, Nebraska just for forever has been not good when it comes to turnover differential. You look at the Purdue game, minus four, four picks there. Uh, at best case, they're, they're even. But does Nebraska score off of the defense's turnovers? Not always, right? Because of the inconsistency with field goals or their red zone uh, in inconsistency. But it was pretty good money to even money that, guess what? The defense going to have to go on a sudden change in their own territory and and hold somebody to three or just get a get a shutout. Uh, I mean, they, that's just it. You, you don't give the, op, the, uh, the opposition an extra possession per game, you know, because of how tight these ball games are going to be Vogue's real quick what's coming up with you and Hale Varsity yeah so busy week uh and busy run up to the season we'll of course have coverage from from fall camp all, all throughout in the the lead up to Ireland uh as I mentioned earlier I'll be doing that Northwestern game preview on the IAD preview podcast next week so be sure to to look for that and then uh the August issue, which is our annual volleyball issue, goes to print on Monday. So we'll be busy over the weekend putting that to to, to bed. Um, really excited for people to see that. We've got a great cover story from from Aaron Sorensen and it's in-depth of, of volleyball, Big Ten volleyball preview, as you'll find from, from Jacob Padilla. So uh, make sure to check for that. If you're not subscribed, it's not too late to, to get in and get that August issue. Uh, you can do that at hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Brandon Vogel. Vogue, thanks for the time, bud. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. We'll dive into some early odds. Lines are up. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor, and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No, Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel. That'll be on the podcast, and the show will be streamed in its entirety on Hale Varsity's YouTube channel. Quick shout-out to our uh, dear friend, uh, Connor Clark. He is uh, running the show, and Elijah's in Omaha when we're up at the Hale Varsity Club on Fridays this season for the uh, for the road games. Uh, kudos to Connor and uh, his uh colleague uh the college student tv winner gold for the nebraska broadcasters association the first uh win of of his career and uh live tv event so connor uh doing some work uh, with the play-by-play thing him and matt mcmaster good work fellas congrats to you you and connor tomorrow mm-hmm. rocking and rolling it's now the award-winning Hale Varsity Radio. I mean, we got you, Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. We got Connor, who won gold in the uh, Nebraska Broadcast Association. And then we also got me. Well, you have the mustache of the year. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's unofficial, but uh, I'm expecting my trophy in the mail here at some point before the end of the season. It is a uh, model car of, of the Magnum P.I. Ferrari. 
I'd take it. I'd take like the actual Ferrari. Though. So yeah, the '83 Ferrari was pretty good. wasn't quite the Ferris Bueller Ferrari, but it's it's good. I still think, in terms of like old TV show cars, I want it's still Kit. You want a okay? You want a talking car? Yeah. Well, I mean, what till you what till you're married or have a kid, and and you're getting it from both ends as far as how you drive <laughs> and which route you should have taken. I don't want a talking car. See, and, and that it was probably cooler before Elon Musk came out with all these Tesla cars that drive themselves and sure. talk to you. Like, maybe Kit was the inspiration for it. Maybe I just need a Tesla. Maybe that's all, all I need. Hey, you get one, uh, let me know. <laughs> I, I prefer the, the, good old envir- or the good old environmentally unfriendly gas guzzlers that sound really loud whenever you drive them. That, that's my style. Just go with a muscle car. Yeah. Right? Call Kaz up, say, Kaz, I want to get a muscle car. What should I do? And uh, he'll point you in the right direction. Some early lines are out, and uh, you know the number for Northwestern Nebraska, 12 and a half. Good luck where you lead on that. Uh, North Dakota, Nebraska, Nebraska favored over North Dakota and Georgia Southern, respectively, minus 28 and a half and minus 26 and a half. You'll know more where your heart or head is at after Northwestern if you want to lay heat. That way, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Elijah, minus four and a half. Nebraska getting points at home against Boomer Sooner. That's the early number. Indiana, Nebraska, right there. Same line as Nebraska Northwestern, minus 12 and a half. The Friday night concern bowl, if we're going to title <laughs> it for Nick Handley, our dear friend. You have uh, Nebraska favorite on the road right now by 10 and a half over Rutgers. Pick them. For our road trip to Purdue uh, on the 15th of November, Illinois, Nebraska's a, Nebraska's been a 15 to 17 point favorite. I think they were 10 and a half last year in week zero against the Illini. That eventually dropped down to eight and a half. But Nebraska's been double digit favorites over the Illini. They haven't covered against the Illini since 2018. And it's been since 2019 since Nebraska's won outright. Uh, that, for most of those times, as we get, it was against Lovey. This is uh, round two against the Pig Farmer. Yeah, and 15 is scary. I mean, I, I feel like 15 against... There's or, no hook. 15 against Illinois is scarier than 12.5 against Northwestern to me. In, in terms of, like, Nebraska's ability to cover that number, I could see Nebraska covering 12.5 against Northwestern if they come out firing. A couple of touchdowns. Couple, couple you're of up touchdowns. seven, and then the, the death drive where you, get, you, you get a big play from the special teams. I mean, there'd probably be a, an earthquake in Nebraska if, if Nebraska houses a punt or a kickoff return against Northwestern. <laughs> might be. How, how about covers a kickoff or a punt? <laughs> and I think they will, right? Bill Bush is, is for real. Good stuff, uh, heck of a coach. But you're right. I mean, you're going to have... Uh, thousands of Nebraska fans over in Ireland with us, and they're going to be cheersing and having a good time. But back here in the the homeland, the, the Nebraska fans, are, if if you just see cleaner, tighter football, I mean, the cheers may be heard from Dublin. The, the cheers going down in Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, then uh, after Illinois, you got Nebraska favored by two and a half against Minnesota. Good. They've been favored. Or right there, uh, a lot of years against Minnesota. What was the line? The COVID game. Oh, when Minnesota brought like fifty. Yeah, guys they, they, they they needed the the small bus, not the the giant stagecoach bus that that seats like ninety. Mm-hmm. They, they could have got away with half of an aisle because uh, everyone in Minnesota had COVID, 
and they still came in and, and won. I don't know off the top of my head, but something <clears throat> says Nebraska was favored by double digits there. They weren't favored last year, were they? They might have been, like by a one or two points or a pick up. Pick them. Which is not favored, but uh, the way Nebraska was last year at Minneapolis, that's been, a, that's been a hell of a place to go in. Nebraska, Michigan, dog, uh, Huskers are dogged by 10 in Ann Arbor. They're dogged by three. Uh, against Wisconsin at home. They're dogged on the road two and a half right now, early opening lines against Iowa. That, that's my, that might be my look any, at these lines. Any lock of the year for me, Elijah? Lock of the year, Nebraska plus two and a half against Iowa. You think so? I, I, I'm curious to see what the, the total is going to be in this game because kind of comes down to how Iowa's offense is, but their defense is going to be stingy. I mean, their defense is going to be great. You're talking about Iowa's you're way. talking about Nebraska Northwestern being a nine to six game. I'm looking at Nebraska Iowa's being a potential nine to six game slugfest in Kinnick, cold weather November game. Like that one's got potential to be very low scoring. So two and a half points. There, there could be two and a half points total scored this game. That could be the total. Well, how's the wind going to treat you day after Thanksgiving? Is it blowing sideways and from all directions? Or is it uh, un-Black Friday-like? Because it's been just cold and bitter like it's supposed to be in November. But it was, it was funny. Nebraska's last win in Iowa City was the Des Moines Pearson L. Superman game in the rally heard around Cornhusker land with Kenny Bell in overtime. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Incredible game. And that was, uh, that was a 37-35-34 shootout which just typically doesn't happen, but, but Iowa was, was 4-8 and eight that year as well. I mean, it's almost felt like Nebraska's had bad luck against Iowa three consecutive years. Whenever there's bad luck for three consecutive years, you go, maybe that's not luck. But Someone making a play in the clutch. But I'll say Nebraska has put in a good enough performance to win probably three straight years against Iowa, despite the fact they haven't gotten it done. So two and a half points, Nebraska's an underdog against Iowa. I like that one because, I mean, if you go four straight years, being a team that can beat Iowa and you end up falling short, like it, it, it means bad, bad things for Nebraska. There's going to be a new coaching staff in, in Lincoln if that does, in fact, happen. So I like Nebraska minus or plus two and a half. So you're pulling the trigger. You're taking the points. That's your lock. That's that Nebraska will will uh, will cover the number two and a half. That's my lock. Okay, you're saying it's Nebraska Iowa. I mean, do you see I, the only other lock I can see is potentially Nebraska twelve and a half point favor against Indiana because I think Indiana is going to be terrible this season. It's a pick'em. Nebraska's a twelve and a half point favorite. It's a it's a pick'em against Purdue. Pick'em against Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> you know i I don't have a lock. Call me a chicken. Say what you want. It's okay. But let me see Northwestern first. I think my lock is that Northwestern covers the twelve and a half. If you're on the horn, stay there. We're going to wind down hour one. Hail Varsity Radio uh, is. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Coming up, Jeremiah Searles, Gary Barnett next hour. We'll get to your calls next as uh, we get you into this second hour. Hail Varsity. Uh, you can email the show, Chris, at HailVarsity.com.
Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Todd emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We're, we're talking cars. <laughs> and uh, Elijah getting a ceremonial Ferrari model to uh, to give him credit for the Magnum P.I. mustache. Todd says, I'd have to go with the Plymouth Fury in Christine. If the wife won't uh, stop hollering at you, just pull over uh, and offer to run in for some cold drinks and wait patiently. Christine's the car that murders everyone, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, yeah. Seen, haven't seen it. Yeah, my dad showed me that one. <laughs> Good-looking car, though. Yeah. The, it's a good name. What's your car's name? It's a Fury. Uh, so there we go. Jim's with us on the line real quick before we wind down this hour. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, Smitty, I, I just want, you know, I'm kind of an old guy, but, you know, that the old comment from Barry, which he respected Nebraska greatly and Tom respected Oklahoma greatly, but the old Sooner Magic thing, you know what Barry said all the time? It's not good. It's not sooner magic. It's just good ball players making a play. It's a player making a play. Barry's kind enough to be with us on a couple of times a year, and once in a but while it, we'll, it, we'll drift it, into sooner. We'll drift into. I mean, he he knew it was just good ball players making a ball play. Yeah, absolutely. No, and yeah. uh, they they made it more times than not in crunch, be it the uh, the hook and ladder or the uh, field goal at the buzzer. Jim, thanks for the phone call, bud. Appreciate you it. You betcha. All right. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> old Barry does get ticked if you insinuate that they found a nut, you know what I mean? They made a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Jackson and the push-up. You want to, like, get Dolman crazed? You, you tell Dolman that Keith Jackson did not push off in 86. I'm going to write that in my notes for uh, when we talk to Dolman tomorrow. You just tell him and say, you know... What a play Keith Jackson made. And you get the whole state up in arms. I am, I'm going to text myself that right now so I do not forget. In the system, there should be something about Barry because he's walking off the field after the 86 game, the all-red game, Nebraska wore all-red. And there's like 20,000 fans in the stands. And Barry's got his, uh, his state patrolman flanking him mm-hmm. he points up to one of the end zones as he's walking out and like the 20,000 Nebraska fans hearts ripped out thought Barry was pimping him a little bit so you have to find that for tomorrow and they all give him the bird at the same time <laughs> 20,000 <laughs> Nebraska fans telling Barry's number one <laughs> and he's like I wasn't messing with him I just I couldn't believe that that we won that game, and they thought I was giving them hell before I got on uh, the airplane to head back to Oklahoma. It's pretty good. 
Well, I uh, can't wait to talk to Barry uh, during uh, Nebraska-Oklahoma Oh, week. that'll be great. I hope he's coming up. Maybe he can help me with, with Gertie the German Shepherd. Maybe he can bring some of that wine. No, I know. He, he was a little COVID afraid, afraid, afraid last year, mm-hmm. which I, I totally get at 85. So he, uh, he waved from the, the field. Him and the boss were hanging out. But no, well, I can't wait for Oklahoma week. But first things first. I can't wait for I got, Northwestern. I got to. I got to bring a. I got to bring a vat of of true Guinness back. Oh, a little trades and bartering. Well, I just can I. Yeah, trade I, some Irish Guinness for the for the berry wine. No, I, I, I want to keep both. <laughs> we, we may need both this season. Jeremiah Cyril's hour two on the way. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into an hour two, we kick off Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Jeremiah Searles to join us. Uh, standout Husker, longtime NFLer at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, what are you doing? You just blew out some birthday candles. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been too long since we talked. Appreciate you having me back on. Well, was it ice cream cake? Was it regular cake? I mean, talk to me here. It was venison burger. I wanted Ooh. I wanted venison burger with sweet potato fries, and the wife came through in a big way. Man, venison sounds pretty uh, pretty tasty. Uh, I just you... went and put out my deer cams today, getting ready to shoot some more deer this fall. And man, these cool mornings got me itching a little bit. I'll tell you that the season is close. Why, why the venison as opposed to the beef, though? What, what about it makes you go, yeah, I want a venison burger instead of a, a usual beef burger? It's just, it's superfood, dude. Venison and, like, venison, elk, deer, like, if you eating something that runs away from predators of the living, <laughs> it's just stronger for you. You ever been to a cow farm? Those things aren't moving anywhere real quick. You eat deer, you eat elk, you eat, you eat wild games, something that has to survive on its own. It's just that much better oh, for you. Searles starting to sound like the liver king. No, he, he is. I mean, it's outdoors Searles uh, all the time. 
uh, he's gonna he's gonna put on the uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator camo and go to town. <laughs> so before before you guys would take on the Buffs, true or false, you would have a buffalo uh, or a bison pot roast. Uh, false. I wish I would have, but I did used to eat steak whenever we play the Longhorns. Okay, yeah, just doing one of Bevo's uh, relatives. I get it, I get it. Husker <laughs> football, I got to get your thoughts here on, on the O-line, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and just um, feel. You've been a part of lines where you were the new guy and you had some, some vets around you. You have some vets on, on this line, a couple of guys, right? But you've also got guys that, that may have been in the program long, but they don't have a lot of career starts. How are you feeling about that O-line going into this year? You know, to be honest with you guys, I'm a little shaky. You know, when you look at an O-line, you always want to look, okay, who are your returners? Who are your guys that were contributors last year that are coming back? And when you look at it, you go, okay, well, originally it was going to be Nuri, and then now he's gone. And so you're really like, okay, Trent Hickson is someone that I've heard has had a surprisingly really good camp because it wasn't super high expectations coming in for him to the camp, but I've heard good things for him, you know, and then you look at the tackle positions. And I think that all of us have to get a little careful of anointing Teddy Prohaska King here. Um, in my opinion, you know, he's still a freshman in my eyes. He had one start and half a game against Michigan. And, you know, I think that he's going to be have some growing pains this year, but I think the upside for him is very high. You flip it over to the other side, you got, you got Bryce Benhart over there who had his struggles last year, but he is, Played two seasons now. He started a lot of football games. It's kind of time for him to make or break type of year um, for him. And then you look at Turner, who my guess would maybe move to guard now um, with Nuri being out, and he might move inside. And then, you know, some names that have kind of popped off that one name specifically is Kevin Williams, you know, a guy that I heard is having a really good camp, raising a lot of eyes. So you're, you're starting to see some depth pieces, but I'm still not 100% sure that we know who our starting five is right now, which is a little – concerning um it's not alarming yet but it's concerning you know i think that we're still trying to find out not necessarily who the best five players are but who the right five guys are to put out there on saturday and that's gonna be a huge huge make or break for this entire football team especially you're going up against the front like northwestern who's going to be very disciplined um but you know i still it's a little shaky for me schmitty it's it's the one position on the offense right now after seeing a practice and kind of seeing how things were going that i'm a tad shaky on Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, our favorite Husker O-lineman and former NFLer. So that's that's a fair point. I want to get your thoughts on on Ben Hart because he's he's been through it. He's had to adjust. He's had to adapt. He's had to work. And it sounds like he's doing better. Uh, you know, time will tell with, with, with game speed on that. And he's also seeing some dudes off the edge, you know, through through fall camp. Has it been fair to to Turner or Teddy uh, just asking him to play this early? I mean, but, I mean th- that's the option, but there's really not been anyone in front of him, Jeremiah. I mean, is that is that difficult? Yeah, extremely. I mean, the O line is a position, and I know I played early, but I'll even be the first to tell you, like, I wish I didn't play till my third year. You know, I think that when you get a chance to really develop and be in a developmental program from 18 to 20 years old and change your body composition and change the way you move and lift the right way like that's how you develop and then you get on the field and you're more of a polished product versus more of the and a lot of guys do it the baptism by fire route where it's like hey physically you might not be ready or strong enough or whatever it is but you're talented and we need you 
And that's kind of what happened with Turner. It's what happened with Ben Hart even, and it's really what's happening with Teddy. And that's just a tough thing to do, and it really just shows kind of the lack of depth that we had at that position, and honestly that we still have a little bit, where you wish that you have a stable of horses where you have guys that come in and you're like, listen, you're going to sit for two years and develop in the weight room and through the practice field and through reps there before you get a chance to compete. Now, if you're physically ready and you're gifted enough, then yeah, sure, let's roll. But, you know, I think some of the struggles that these young guys have had is just because physically they weren't ready for Big Ten football. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, now you got a group of guys that, that they do have experience in the Big Ten and they've kind of taken their lumps and it remains to be seen whether they're going to take that next step. But uh, something we were talking about yesterday on the show is how crucial it is to have a, a guy on your offensive line that's kind of a leader of the, the offense as a whole as well as the offensive line. So have you seen that guy or a couple of guys emerging? Did you know who uh, the leader of the offensive line could be in 2022? You know, I, I don't. You know, I, I'm not sure who that guy's going to be. I think that the easy answer needs to be uh, Turner Corcoran. You know, I think he's a vocal guy. I think he's a guy that he stepped up to the plate multiple times last year at the press conferences and took the arrows and took the bullets for some of the O-line woes last year. Um, that goes a long way. I think that Trent Hickson is a guy that in the center position, you obviously command a lot of respect and leadership just by the nature of the position. But also, he's a guy that if you look back at his career, he started an entire season, and he got benched, but he didn't whine, he didn't complain, he didn't transfer, he didn't do any of that. He just put his head down and kept working and kept getting better, and now he's getting his opportunity. And if you're the center and you go out there and you perform well, people are going to naturally gravitate to you being that leader. You know, So I think that between those two guys, those are the two guys that are really going to have to step up and be the leader of that relatively young group. Searles, are there any barometers for success you're looking for early in the season? I think an outsider's point of view might look at yards per carry or pressure rate or or sacks to to gauge how successful an offensive line is. But from an offensive lineman's point of view, what will you be looking for to to say, yeah, this offensive line's getting the job done or no, this offensive line isn't getting the job done? That's a great question, Elijah. You know, I I think that the thing that I'm going to be looking for a lot is the amount of negative plays. And what I mean by that are, first and 10 busted run play. Now it's first, second and 12, you know, or how many, um, how the yards before contact is another one that you want to look at. Like is the running back having to bust through the line of scrimmage while a guy's draped all over him or is he getting to the second level before some guys touching him, you know, the negative plays and the yards before contact are two things that I'll monitor closely for gauging success of how an offensive line is. And then obviously the sacks are another one, but one thing that's easier to look at is pressure rate. Right, like not just sacks, but how often was the quarterback's throw affected by pressure in his face? It doesn't have to be a hit. It doesn't even have to be a sack, but it could just be there's a free hitter, and so we had to rush the throw instead of letting the routes truly develop, and maybe we had to go for a short checkdown versus the long over route that takes an extra second or two to develop was going to come open, but we weren't able to throw it because there was pressure in his face. You know, so those are the kind of the three barometers that I'll look at for an offensive line's performance on if they're doing well or if they're struggling. Jeremiah Searles joining us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, a thought here with the running back room, what you've heard and seen pairing with this offensive line, uh, getting downhill, more aggressive, moving people, that type of philosophy from from Riola. Do you think you've got a good pair, the the O-line in their run game, their ability to run block with somebody in the backfield, a la what you guys had with Amir? 
Yeah, you know, that's one of those. I think that's the room right now that I think has a true stable of horses in it, which is great. I mean, you talk about a guy last year, Amir Johnson, who really came on the scene. You got Grant. You've got Gabe Irvin, who's going to be coming back. And then they've got this young, and you got Yant, who's just a power back. But I'll say this this A.J. Allen guy is really intriguing to me. You know, I got a chance to watch him run a little bit at the scrimmage, and he is extremely naturally when he's running the football. He's just his jump cuts, his vision for a young player. is a guy that I'd love to see him be able to redshirt and develop, but he's almost one of those guys we talk about talent-wise where it's going to be like, man, how do we keep this guy off the field? So that's a, that's a room right now that there's a lot of guys. And from what I've heard coming out of camp, there's really no clear starter right now at the running back room, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, if you've got so many guys and no one's been able to truly separate themselves, that means the competition's tight, and that means there's a lot of really good talent. So, you know, I think it'll be a little bit of running back committee um, by committee as the, the year starts. You know, I think Gabe Urban won the starting job last year, so it might be his to lose, and if he's healthy and he looks great, sweet. You know, but I think there's going to be a lot of guys that get some meaningful reps and meaningful carries early on in the year and see what can happen. Searles, uh, without giving away state secrets, were you pleased with what you saw at the scrimmage? Yeah, you know, I was. I was pleased, and, and it, it was just a scrimmage. You know, but the things that you look for as a coaching side from the scrimmage, there's clean operation. There wasn't a lot of free staff of penalties. There wasn't a lot of defensive holdings, there, and there were referees there. You know, so I think that those were the kind of the, the things that I look for in a scrimmage. You don't necessarily look for the X's and O's because you're mixing and matching guys and you're still evaluating guys and so I wasn't looking for that as much as how the operation of everything went I thought it looked fairly clean which is a good step in the right direction coming to the fall. Searles but with game prep for Northwestern still upcoming if there's problems within the scrimmage how much time does the coaching staff have to to fix those issues are they reaching a point of fall camp where now there's a time crunch of trying to get your, your team to play clean football but also knowing we're gonna have to start devoting time and practice to actually preparing for the teams on our schedule? Yeah, you know, this is the week where you start kind of ramping down the training camp piece and you start kind of ramping up the game prep piece. Um, You know, we play a game here in, what is it, 20 days, right? Um, So I think that right now you still have that competition for trying to vie for your first, your two deep, right, your starters and your second level and your travel squad. There's still that inner competition, but now the reps may stop being ones versus ones, twos versus twos, three versus threes, where you'll still have certain periods that are good versus good, but now you're going to start adding more periods of, hey, our ones versus Northwestern, our twos versus Northwestern, and then maybe there's a nine-on-seven or a seven-on-seven or a team run period that's still good on good to keep that high level of competition, that high speed of going back and forth against each other. So there is kind of a yin and yang to it, but right now by this point, Elijah, you really should be playing clean football. It's just the norm. There shouldn't be a, an emphasis on it anymore. It should just be the standard. And I think that that's something that this coaching staff has harped on for a long time, going all the way back to last year. And you just have to hope that as players, you police yourselves with that. As coaches, you're kind of hoping that the players just handle that because that's the start, you know, starting block of a good football team. Searles, do you have high hopes for the defense? Have you been impressed from, from that side of the ball? You know, I have high hopes because I think Eric Chenander is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. But I, again, am uncertain because you have a lot of new faces and a lot of people that are not necessarily unproven but are unseen to the black shirts, right? You haven't seen them in this crimson and cream – or not crimson, excuse me, scarlet and cream on, on Saturdays, right? You haven't seen what they can actually do 
when the bullets are flying. And there's a lot of talent back there. I mean, the guys like Tommy Hill and Blackson Clark are fighting over there for that cornerback position. And you've got new guys in the back end. You've got new faces for rushing the edge, right? you got the, the kid out of TCU. You've got the kid from Tech now. you got the kid from Bama that have all transferred in that you have high hopes for. But until they go out and prove it on Saturday, all it is is high hopes. Searles, I want to look ahead to Northwestern here just briefly before we get you out. How important do you think it is for Nebraska to, to be winning that first quarter and to go into halftime with the lead in terms of getting momentum going the right direction for a season? I think, I mean, Husker fans would love to see a, a one-score victory for, for Nebraska in game one to, to try to, uh, you know, kill that curse, if you will. But how important do you think it is for Nebraska to get the momentum going early and go into to halftime in Dublin with the lead? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the first game of the year is the tone setter for the entire year. I mean, we all walked out of Champaign, Illinois last year kind of going, oh, expletive, right? Like whatever expletive you want to enter there. (laughs) And it was kind of like, oh, here we go again moment. And it was week zero. I mean, it's such a momentum-building game. And, I mean, from the word go in Illinois, it kind of felt a little shaky. So you're absolutely right. You want to get in and you want to put the foot down. But let's not forget, Northwestern's not going to forget what Nebraska did to them under the lights last year. They embarrassed them last year. And this is a disciplined football team. There's Pat Fitzgerald is one of the most respected coaches that his team is disciplined and they don't beat themselves. And they're going to be ready to go too. And, you know, so I think it's really important that we can get a little bit of a lead so that we're not relying on all these new faces um, on offense from the quarterback position to the receiver position to the O-line put in a position where they have to pass block a ton, but where we can really call and control the game from the way that Nebraska is going to want to control the football game. Searles, will Sue look good in purple? Is that a possibility, Vikings and Indomitian? It is. If uh, if the old Ziggy Wilf and them up there want to open their checkbook, I think he'd look real good in purple. Uh, old Ziggy. Yeah, he's got a checkbook, though, doesn't he? I mean, it's a nice oh, checkbook. Oh, too. He's got a big old bill full. It's just a matter of how, big the, how many zeros he wants to put behind the, behind the check behind Sue. There he is, Jeremiah Searles. Follow him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Jay, we'll uh, get caught up again uh, soon before kickoff. Thanks for the time. Absolutely appreciate it. Go Big Red. Good stuff from Searles. Preview in the O-line thoughts as camp moves forward. Gary Barnett will talk quarterback development with us and maybe a little barbecue. Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports, his takeaway with the early lines out on the Big Red. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Coach Gary Barnett with his Hall of Famer with Colorado and Northwestern, also Missouri. And Coach, you sent quite a, a pick slash video from your weekend adventure with some incredible ribs on the grill those were well those were fantastic thanks for uh, thanks for leaving me a plate coach 
<laughs> well, uh, let me tell you, there's two left in the refrigerator. I can I can overnight them to you, but uh, I think you're better off doing them on your own. So, oh, well, they they were just incredible. What kind of kind of sauce did you put on them? Are you are you don't it doesn't look like you're a heavy sauce guy, but just enough to get a taste. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, it's, I've got uh, there's a one of the grandkids that likes a lot of sauce. One doesn't like much. Then, um, you know, this this I usually always rely on Sweet Baby Ray's original. Mm, that work. Just, that just seems to take care of everything. And you know, I do like experimenting, but it's it's just sometimes when you just you have to be right, you just got to go back to Sweet Baby Ray's. No, absolutely. Uh, I had both propane tanks go out Monday when I was trying to grill for the family. So about halfway home, yeah, right. So you 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 thought I, I thought I had enough to to grill for a steak, a pork chop, and a you know a chicken breast. And about halfway home, it's like nope. So I had to turn the smoker on and crank it up to about four hundred. But it worked out. Some of my finest work, I'll say, with uh, with junior steaks. So. Uh, it's a good thing that, that uh, I could go to the bullpen and get the smoker going, but I felt like an idiot. She, I just got that look like, what, you're telling me both tanks are out, you idiot? I'm like, yeah, both tanks, the fire pit tank's out, <laughs> the grill tank is out. So You know, we, we all do the same things. We go down to the very edge, the very bottom, just one more, and then I'll fill it, right? Yes. At least you do, too. My wife keeps telling me, get another tank so you don't have this problem. Yeah, you know, I sort of like the game of playing. I love playing it, you know, oh, man. going right to the edge. I got most of the summer out of it, and it finally got me. Last time it happened, there was a tornado in the backyard. I kid you not, and I was still out grilling. So at least I've wised up there. <laughs> Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, a lot to get into with college football. And it's been interesting just listening to Coach Whipple tell it like it is. It wasn't a good day for the offense yesterday. But uh, overall, he's been pretty pleased and wanted to get your thoughts. You know, what was your approach, your philosophy when it came to working with quarterbacks? How how hard on you? How hard were you on kids or how I don't want to say gentle, but what tell me what you did to, to, to drill your point across and, and and get the most out of them. And, and it, I'm sure it depended on what quarterback personality you were dealing with what was that fine line you had to walk well you're, you're exactly right it just depends on the personality of the kid and you've got to figure out early on just how and the best way that they accept and take criticism uh and, or take correction and and uh, that's to me that's the fine line of being a coach that separates out the really the really good ones from, from the other guys that are just going to yell and scream. And uh, young guys usually want to yell and scream. But uh, each guy's different. You know, Joel Klatt, for example, was an older guy. I mean, he's, he was 21 when he showed up at, uh, as a freshman. And so, you know, he had already gone through three years of, you know, having somebody watch every pitch that he tried to hit and every grounder that he didn't field. And so – he was sort of um, – it didn't really make any difference what you said to him. He was fine. And what I found with Joel was, you know, I just had to bench him to get his attention every once in a while. And um, 
you know, that's all it took. Uh, I remember with Daring Hagen, uh, we're, we're down on the field one day and, um, Mac, uh, and he threw a bad pass and I just walked over to Darian and I just said a few little words of, <laughs> of just what, no, no, really. All I said okay. was what, here, here's what you got to do next time. And coach McCartney heard me. He says, is that all you have to say to him? And I said, yeah, that's all you got to say to him. Other guys, you got to get right in their, mm-hmm. you know, in their clock. And, and so it, it just depends. Every guy's different. And, uh, what I used to do was uh, have all my coaches uh, do a questionnaire with their players and ask them how, what's the best way to coach you and before we ever started. And, you know, it, some of them were very accurate, some of them mm, not so much. But uh, for the most part, kids will tell you. I mean, if a kid doesn't care if you yell and scream at him, then he'll tell you that. And, uh Another kid just says, just pull me aside. Don't embarrass me in front of people or things like that. So then you, you, that's how you go about coaching them. And so every kid's different. And, uh, the key is knowing the differences between each kid. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what type of coach do you, do you think or do you know Coach Whipple is? How does, how does he approach it? He seems pretty gruff and, and direct. So, and that's not, you know, slamming him. I mean, that's just, that's the sound we get. And um, he's able, I mean, track record-wise, I mean, he's been able to coach a lot of really good quarterbacks. Well, coaches tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Whip would fall right into that category. Um, you're there, you know, the first meeting you have with a kid, you say, look, the attitude I want you to have is teach me, coach me, take me where I can't take myself. And that's what you're there to do. So uh, there's got to be that understanding that that's the way our relationship's going to be. And I, I would always tell a kid when I was in his home, he says, I'm going to coach you like your dad, not like your brother. <laughs> so, um, you know, you just you got to keep lines of communication open. Everybody's got to feel uh, you know, understand that we're trying to go somewhere. We're trying to get better. I'm trying to make you a better player and here's how it's going to take place. And as long as you're on the same page and, uh, as long as when you leave that meeting or in that discussion, you say, now, what'd you hear me say? Um, and then, you know, you find out whether or not they heard you say what you wanted them to hear, or if you somehow miscommunicated. And if you did, then you got a chance to fix that right now. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, at what point uh, would you panic as an offensive coach if the offense wasn't performing? And I ask that when it comes to the inconsistencies at this point, about halfway through camp, what what do you feel like an offense should be doing? Should there still be some inconsistencies? And I, I know Nebraska's a different animal just because of the new faces and the new coaches, so it's really a different deal. There's going to be inconsistencies all year. It, you know, it's it's just not a perfect – it's not something you just put together like a well-oiled machine and it works until it doesn't. But there's going to be inconsistencies. You're, you're dealing with, with young people, and you're dealing with uh, 
uh, moving parts and and you know the guy across from you isn't doing what he did last time and so you have to adjust and he's getting better so you better get better at this or that so it's um it's always going to be that way and you're just always fixing things and um everybody understands that as you as you go through it there you know it's it's just a daily process it's fluid uh and you've got to adapt every single day and every single game's different so it's that's just the business uh, you know it's the process of education coach uh, quarterback run read option part of that was at the open portion of practice i don't know how much that'll be a part of the northwestern game plan but guess what we're talking about it and it's out there media wise so maybe it's something northwestern has to think about in your time knowing whip do you think that is something that he will implement or use do you think the quarterback run portion of the offense is still a reality for nebraska in 2022 i think it's too valuable not to always have it available Mm -hmm. and uh you uh you've got to practice it in order to have it available when you want to use it and it's you may go into a game plan and not even have it on your play call but you always have it there you've always practiced it and there's just times when that play is such a good play and yeah it's a little bit risky with your quarterback uh but if you don't practice it when you need it in a game in a key situation then you're not going to be any good at it. So that's just one of those plays that everybody has in their arsenal. It's like a quarterback sneak now. So you've got to practice it and you got to have it ready. It may not be an integral part, but it is always there as an emergency backup. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll let you get out on this. Wanted to ask you, who's the, the one game wrecker that stressed you out the most? The, the defensive personnel on the other side of the ball – either pass rusher or corner or linebackers or somebody in your coaching career that you remember making you or your offense nervous leading into a game? Well, I can tell you when, uh, when I was a coordinator for the national championship game, we were playing Notre Dame. Uh, they had two players. I, as I broke down all the film and every time there was a, a turnover or a disruption, it was, it occurred with two guys, Steve Stonebreaker, their linebacker, mm. or they had a great corner. I'm missing his name. Todd Light. And, uh, Light. Todd yeah. Light. And so uh, every interception, every fumble, somehow those two guys were involved. And so I did not call a single pass play towards that corner, not one in that wow. entire game. And not that we had a lot, but we were not <laughs> going there, and we were going to go. We were going to go. We had a plan for Stonebreaker, and we went into the whole game with with that mindset. And uh, to me, when you look at the stats, and there's one guy that's got all the all the tackles for a loss and all the sacks, then you have to have a plan for that guy. And it's easier when there's not. When, when there's nobody outstanding, when it's all the same, that's pretty easy. But when there's one guy, you know, I w- and, and not everybody's this way. Some some people just say, hey, we'll block him, whatever. Well, I wasn't that way. I, this guy is not going to be the guy that, that causes us not to win. So that was my approach. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, have a great weekend. Hit him far and straight. 
and uh, we'll get caught up again soon. Thanks uh, again for the time and the patience. Sounds great, Chris. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Coach Barnett with us. Good stuff on the quarterback run and uh, grooming that quarterback, that fine line of pushing hard and coaching up. Danny Burke, Vison Sports Network, the early Nebraska lines. What's Danny think with the, uh, the underdog and favorite role for the Big Red? There's nothing better than enjoying some sun with a drink and hot dog in hand, taking in America's pastime. Whether you're here for the baseball or the entertainment that comes with it, Werner Park is the place to be. The Omaha Storm Chasers have a handful of home games remaining, so get your tickets before it's too late. Give yourself something to look forward to as the summer winds down. Don't miss this opportunity to make lifelong memories with family and friends. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. Time for Burke's Best Bets with VEASAN Sports Network. Danny Burke joins us at Danny Burke 5 and uh, is where you find him on Twitter. Uh, weekly and uh, nightly, you hear him on VEASAN Sports Network with the podcast and his daily show. Danny, we sent you some Husker spreads, uh, early, early season numbers and point spreads. How you, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Schmitty. We are uh, getting closer and closer, right? we got a big trip coming ahead, not only for uh, you and myself, but uh, for the whole squad. So hopefully they can start off with a nice win and a cover. Yeah, no kidding. That 12-and-a-half is uh, still, dare I say, interesting against a guy named Fitzgerald <laughs> over in Ireland. But that's neither here, here nor there. But as I sent you some numbers and I sent him because Elijah found him. I think Elijah's trying to fatten his piggy bank. Uh, you have North Dakota and Georgia Southern, Oklahoma. You have the whole schedule, early lines laid out. And anything grab you, shock you, or make your eyes big? Uh, as you look at some of these numbers, the Oklahoma game, the, you look at the Iowa, the Wisconsin matchups, Minnesota, a lot of tight ball games, a lot of, lot of single-digit numbers as either a favorite or a dog. I think the first one that stands out has to be the Oklahoma number, right? I mean, Oklahoma, we've talked about them in the past. And, you know, Nebraska almost beat this team last year with certainly you would imagine a lot better roster or a roster that's more comfortable and probably had more of a rhythm. Now you get a new quarterback, new head coach, new system all throughout. So how is that going to impact an Oklahoma team now going on the road against Nebraska? And they're laying four and a half. I I get why the number is where it is. I mean, you know, Nebraska shouldn't really get that respect until they can prove it themselves. But, man, the fact that they were able to keep it close last year and now everything that has come about this year, I feel like Nebraska's in a little bit better shape. And, hey, maybe they don't win it, but – maybe they can keep it within a field goal. So I would look to taking the four and a half as of now if I had to bet something with that game. Another spot that I think is really intriguing is that Purdue matchup, uh, October 14th. Look, if you think Nebraska is going to be a good team, if you think they're going to be the team that a lot of people perceive them to be, then that's a must-win game, right? You have to win that game against the Boilermakers. This is a team that I was actually just looking over, and yeah, you got Aiden O'Connell, who did have really good stats last year, However, a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball for Purdue. So we'll see if they can plug and play in that regard. 
And same thing with their defense. They lost some guys. So, look, that's a game Nebraska should be the favorite. And if all goes according to plan, you got to think the number is going to move toward their favor. And I could see them being like a three-point favorite. But if you wanted to jump in early, and again, you think they can at least get to that point with, you know, one loss, at best, then, yeah, you're going to get the best of the number at this point because I think that's another game that Nebraska should win, and you can get a good advantage of it right now to pick them. Danny, what do you make of those those first two non-conference games with North Dakota and Georgia Southern? Both of them inflated lines. With North Dakota, we got Nebraska as a 28.5-point favorite, and then with Georgia Southern, Nebraska is a 26.5-point favorite, and those are some big lines, but Nebraska does have the talent advantage against those two teams is that something worth betting early or is that something you're going to wait and see how that Northwestern game looks? Because I, I could see those lines moving either direction, but I don't see them staying at that around four touchdown mark, depending on what happens against Northwestern. Yeah, honestly, seldom do I get involved in games that have that big of a spread. It really doesn't matter what sport it is and not that other sports get that big. But the point is when you get a spread as, as big as that in whatever sport it is, that kind of causes some trepidation. Like even in the NBA, for example, if you're getting to like an eight, nine-point favorite, to me, I see those big numbers and I go, I'm only taking the points or I'm staying away from it. But I, I think you make a good point. These numbers probably are going to alter based on what we see happen out in Dublin with Nebraska against Northwestern. If they can make a statement, cover against Northwestern, well, then the number's inevitably going to move in favor of the Cornhuskers. But if it's an uncomfortable win like a lot of people are kind of perceiving, yeah, those could shift in probably a different direction. But even if they just get, I don't know, maybe like a normal win, they don't cover, but they win by 10, and it was a solid win, I still just don't know early on if, it, if it's something worth a play. Like, I don't want to lay 28 and a half with any Nebraska team or any team for that matter. And even 26-and-a-half, I mean, still, when you get a game that has that big of a spread, like I said, I would either take it or I just usually look to get involved in the total because if the spread's that high, the assumption is one team's at least got to score a decent amount of points. So maybe at that point you can look for a team total surrounding the Huskers individually, and that may be your best course of action. Now, Denny, I kind of want to dive into how Vegas works for a second, if you don't mind. I'm seeing Nebraska as a favorite in seven of these games, plus a pick em. Is that where that seven and a half win total comes from for the season for, for Nebraska's win total, whether it's over or under? I just want to know where that seven and a half number comes from. Like, Which comes first, I guess? Is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the lines in the games, or is it that seven and a half win total, and they kind of set the lines around that? Where does that come from? You know, it, it really depends on the book which one they get set up first. And it depends where they get their lines originated from. It's kind of a whole backstory that could go for a long time. But, again, depending on where you shop, that's where the origination is. But some books, they'll do, like, games of the year. I know out in Vegas, so they'll do whatever premier game. If you look at Nebraska's schedule, say, for example, like Nebraska-Oklahoma, that's probably one of the first games that oddsmakers had their lines set at. But for the most part, you're going to get the win total set first. You'll have an idea of where it's going to be with the schedule. You go, okay, they're probably going to be a favorite in this game, that game, that game, and you kind of judge in your head how big of a favorite, and you could correlate to that You know how much of a winning percentage they would have in that specific game, and then you correlate that again with the win total. And then you get more of the solidified lines later on once you kind of get an idea of the rosters um, and just everything else that really goes into it. So it, usually it goes – the win total, and then you get the individual game spreads. But you know what? A lot of books act on their own and do it unique ways. But uh, most of the ones I look at do it in that order. Danny Burks with us. Burks Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network. 
Let's talk some of the the toss-ups. You mentioned Purdue. What do you like or dislike about Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska getting points in both those games at this point? Also, Minnesota, uh, a tight one as well. Yeah, again, if if Nebraska ends up on the same path that I was just talking about to where they beat Purdue, I think that Nebraska-Minnesota game, instead of laying the spread, you know, I'm someone who – Lays a little bit more to get the added security. I would maybe look at a money line play there for Nebraska. But, again, we also got to see how Tanner Morgan's looking up to that point. Uh, Nebraska and Michigan is tempting to take the double-digit points. If you want to get involved with Nebraska as a dog, that could absolutely be a game to do so. (laughs) Nebraska-Iowa, you know, is going to be 50-50. But I think the Huskers take care of business against Iowa at uh, at this stage of how we're perceiving this team to be. The hope would be that you could get that number at three and then take three points with the Huskers. But I think Nebraska, honestly, at that point in the season, will have that game at a pick and Iowa will not be as good as that spread is leading everybody to believe. And then with Nebraska at home against Wisconsin, I mean, you guys know my thoughts on the Badgers. I took them under nine. I don't know if I'm going to take anything in that game or even have that strong of thoughts for that spot right now. And I don't want to say, you know, you're taking Nebraska for everything, but Man, I mean, some of these spots you just got to wait and see, and I think Wisconsin will be a big one, and Minnesota would be a big one to where you just have to wait till the week of it to really see and feel what kind of effort and skill level you're getting from these teams. But, yeah, with the Iowa game, I would honestly like Nebraska regardless at whatever point in this season, unless, you know, there's some insane injury. But ideally, you get three. I don't think you do, though, because I think Nebraska will be perceived as a better team by the last week of the season. Danny Burke with us, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5, Rush Hour, his show. Danny, thanks for the time today. Hey, you bet, fellas. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, Elijah on the road tomorrow at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, right uh, by, well, Embassy Suites, if you're just turning off I-80, and also um, Cabela's. So that's uh, where you need to go see Elijah. He'll be on set and uh, streaming tomorrow. Connor Clark in with him. I'm going to attend Coach Pierce's funeral tomorrow, so that's where I will be. And uh, we're thinking of Jack and his family uh, through through his passing. But uh, I'll be back uh, Saturday morning for the weekend edition. Reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get their best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Check the show out. Good stuff today. As uh, we kicked off with a Northwestern preview with college football news, heard from Brandon Vogel, great work by Vogues with the I-80 preview, his podcast on the Herdat Family Network, you need to listen to. And uh, we talked a little defense with him. Searles uh, checked in in hour two. Uh, Jeremiah, thoughts on the O-line, what he's seen from camp so far. Gary Barnett on the quarterback spot, specifically the quarterback run element. Does that become extinct in 2022? 
and then Danny Burke kind of going over previewing uh, the early Vegas lines, Elijah, that we also spend some time on. I guess my lock of 2022, as we're two out, two weeks out, is Nebraska not covering the the 12 and a half as it sits against Northwestern. Yeah, not, not much of a limb, not much risk. I just think it's you know, Nebraska could win by double digits, but you know, aside from last year, this thing's three to, to seven points typically. And nothing that that Scott Frost has shown me during his time at Nebraska has shown me that Nebraska will come anywhere close to exceeding expectations in Week One. No, I w- just just find a way. I would argue they have fallen far short of expectations every single week one that he has been here. Well, I'll say this. Uh, it'll be fun to be over and uh, be a part of the uh, Ireland experience, but getting ready for it, the week zero part, the second year in a row, uh, if, if you would probably take an unofficial straw poll of, of players, co- I mean, I think the players are probably jacked, but coaches, I mean, this is a freaking mess to, to try and get organized, get everything shipped then go go crush it on a time zone change in a foreign land. It'll be fun, but it's it's not quite the old kickoff classic or being down in Atlanta in the, the, the Peach Bowl for a neutral site game. Neutral site game uh, in a uh, foreign country with a guy on the other sideline side named Fitzgerald. See, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to see what those Irish fans that, that turn out, what, what, what they think of the game. And uh, I know football is a, a growing sport over in Europe and especially in the, the British Isles. So I'm curious just to see what, what kind of reception both these teams get in a place like Dublin. Well, the NFL's done Germany quite a bit. They've done, They've done London Great a Britain times, a yeah. lot. They've done Mexico. I think Germany is going to be new this year. Is that right? Or in the near future, a couple had, of years? They've had... When they had the NFL Europe League, they had a couple of teams in Germany. I believe this is the first time they're actually playing in Germany. Okay. Well, we'll uh, be back at you tomorrow at 4 from the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, Enjoy. Check the podcast out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. A Huda Media Production.